0: Hilchus Avelus, laws of mourning. Yesh bechal v'have Laws of mourning include four mitzvus. Acha mitzvah say one positive mitzvah. V'shalish mitzvus, Loisa say three negative mitzvus. V'zeru and this is the breakdown. aleph mitzvah number one, l'sabla akrevim. It's a mitzvah according to the Rambam to mourn relatives who have passed on. Now, how do you mourn? How long? Which relatives? Etc. We'll see. V'afilu koyin, misdam v'misabla akrevim. Even a koyin who is generally speaking has a special uh, prohibition against becoming impure through a corpse, has an obligation to mourn and become tummy if necessary, or as is necessary for the appropriate relatives. A person, however, does not mourn 1158 in that Ramah. A person does not mourn those who have been executed by the Besdin for, for a sin, right? So we have three details in this mitzvah, this mitzvah number one. To mourn, that even a Kayin who has a prohibition not to become impure has to mourn and become tummy to his relatives, but that you're not supposed to mourn someone who has been executed by the bezdin. That's why the laws of mourning are in the book of the book of judges, the book of Sheftim. You might ask, what's the connection? Because they're related to the mitzvah of burying on the day of uh, burial on the day of death. Which is a positive mitzvah we learned in Hilchus Sanhedrin. Chapter 15, halacha Ches, that there's a mitzvah to bury somebody executed by the Bezdin on that day. And then the Ram continues in the same halacha to say that every person who passes away or is killed in the mitzvah bury that day. So it's a detail of the mitzvah of those who are executed by Bezdin. And because it has to do with the mitzvah of those who are executed by Bezdin, it's in this safer because the obligation to bury the person on the day they pass or the day they're executed. Creates the obligation to mourn as we'll learn. Because if they're not buried on the day they pass away, then there's no biblical obligation to mourn them, and that's why it belongs in the safer <speaking in> base. <Hebrew> Shiloh <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> that a high priest should not become impure to relatives. Giml <speaking in Hebrew> uh, uh, the high priest should not go under the same roof as a corpse. Dalit, a regular koyin has a prohibition of becoming tame. For anybody, with the exception of the case of Halacha Mitzvah Aleph Where it's a relative who is mourning for well, we'll be a mitzvah We'll explain these mitzvahs in these chapters Some details of this we've talked about already For example, we talked in previous places of the Ramah About the of a We talked about the concept of what's considered a tent and oil Under which a person and a corpse being on the same roof create a problem Here the Ramah is going to talk about the elements That apply to the mitzvah of mourning Okay, Paya chapter 1, Halacha Aleph Mitzvah It's a positive mitzvah To mourn for relatives What does mourn mean? Just to feel sad What exactly is the behavior of this mitzvah? It says If I ate the carbon today Would it be good in the eyes of Hashem? This is the Rambam This is the Rambam's source for this mitzvah This is a pasach where Meisha Abenu is displeased With Aaron HaKoying who chose to burn the unique carbon that was brought on that day as part of the, part of the inaugural ceremony of the Mishkan. And Moshe Rabbeinu wants to know why he burnt that carbon, but the other carbonists that were brought that day, that day was Aleph Nisan, mind you, the first of Nisan, there were carbonists for Rosh and there were other cabanas he, well, he wants to know why Aaron didn't burn those ones. So Aaron, two sons, Nadav and Aviyu, came into the Mishkan unannounced, uninvited, and that they died before Hashem because of that, Aaron says to Meishar Beinu that since he's a mourner for his two sons, he cannot eat the unique karbon chatas of that day, the unique carbon chatas that was offered that day is, as a part of the special ceremony of inauguration. The other karbonas that were brought as a matter of the general routine, because it was Rish those were different. Those, those, uh, uh, sorry, those, um, I mixed up, it's the opposite. Those were different, right? So the one that was unique and special, that Moshe Rabbeinu told Aaron Hakohen that even though you're a mourner, there's a special mitzvah to eat those karbanas. And Aaron did eat those karbanas that were brought specially for that occasion. It was the inauguration of the Mishkan. But the karbanas that were part of the regular schedule of Rosh and other regular karbanas, those he didn't eat. And Moshe Rabbeinu was angry and Aaron said to him that because he's a mourner, therefore he didn't eat them even though there was a special instruction to eat the other karbonnets, those were unique karbonnets, those were not cabanas that are brought regularly. And therefore we see that by Aaron's telling, even though the Torah doesn't say according to the anywhere is thou shalt mourn. But from the event, the story where Aaron, in the story, the story where Aaron retells Ma'isha because as a mourner, he's not allowed to eat the regular karbonnets and it would be displeasing in Hashem's eyes, we learn there's a mitzvah to mourn. Okay. Biblically, the, only the first day after the passing is the only, only one day of mourning to the, the day of the passing, which is the day of passing and the day of burial, burial assuming that the burial and the passing happen the same day, which is how it's supposed to be. However, the famous other seven days of mourning everyone's familiar with, both from their just general life, Jewish life, and from the Chumash, as we'll see, A in Torah is not a biblical obligation. Despite the fact that it says in the Torah and the Chumash, after Yaakov Avinu passes away, Yosef Atzadik instituted seven days of mourning for his father. That was a custom among the Jewish people at that time. But in the Torah of Shaloha, when the Torah is given in Har Sinai, the Halacha became renewed, so to speak. In other words, when the Torah was given in Har Sinai, any previous mitzvahs that were, that were observed for whatever reason, now is a whole new ballgame. So not necessarily was it the exact same thing. Okay, fine. So that's, that's as far as that goes. So yes, it seems it was a custom among the Jewish people before Matan Torah to observe seven days of mourning. However, when the Torah was given, that was not given as a mitzvah. Now, it was something the Jewish people knew about though, but it was not a mitzvah. So when did it become... A customer or, or an obligation among Jewish people to mourn those who passed away for seven days, not just one day. Moshe, <speaking in Hebrew> Ben <speaking in Hebrew> was the one who instituted for the Jewish people the seven days of mourning, <speaking in Hebrew> as well as the, six, the seven days of celebration after a wedding. Those are both institutions that are rabbinic. Which Sanhedrin in which generation was it? Moshe, <speaking in Hebrew> Ben's generation, he instituted, so the Rabbanon. But it was the Takana of Moshe Rabbeinu's Bezdin. Okay. The Rebbe observes that this idea that Amman puts the seven days of mourning immediately followed by seven days of celebration emphasizes the idea that immediately after the mourning of the time of Golos, so we have the concept of mourning and death, we immediately come to the the, the, the simcha of the ma- ultimate marriage of Hashem and the Jewish people with Mashiach's coming. Okay. And then a person can infer from that as well, if, if you look in the source, from their personal life, that after experiencing negativity, then he, he, he can be you can hope for the, the bracha of, of, of only, only happiness. Okay. So good. So that's the mitzvah of mourning. Mitzvah One day there are abundant seven days. At what point does the person become obligated to begin mourning? Not the moment the person passes away. Once the grave is covered. Mishishasama goylo literally means when the goylo, when, the, when the goylo, which is a large rock that's used to cover the grave, seals it. So when they seal the grave with that large rock, that's how they would bury the person. They would kind of you know, seal the grave either in the ground or sometimes it was like a crypt in a wall in a cave. That's considered burial today. We do it like with dirt. But once you cover the, 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 the corpse completely, then the allegation to mourning begins at that moment. Avakal Zmanchali Nikvames as long as the corpse has not yet been buried also he's not yet forbidden in any of the things that a mourner is forbidden to do. There's another concept at that moment called Aninus, which that's something else, however, though. OK, we that because of this reason, since the person is not obligated to mourn. When the person passes away until the burial,, David Melech, when his son passed away. Uh, bathed and anointed himself in oil, which are forbidden to a mourner. Terum she cover because he was not yet buried, and that's why and the ramam uses that as an example to explain the halacha. Okay, good. That's in the Shmuel Beis base. Hey, harugi, Malchus Shein. Thank you, Gimel. Sorry. Okay, now comes a let's 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 clarify. Yeah. On the day a person passes away, that day there's an obligation to mourn as soon as the person is buried, right? Now, what happens if the person is not buried that day, the person passes away on Sunday and he's buried on Monday, then there's no obligation to mourn biblically. The only obligation is to mourn rabbinically. The Quintedram is no biblical obligation. However, when does the obligation to mourn begin if a person passed away on Sunday and he's buried on Monday or on Tuesday? So we'll answer that question soon. But what happens if a person's passed away on Sunday and we don't know if or when they'll ever be buried? So we'll see like this, a person passes away on Sunday, and there's hope to bury him sometime later, then by the burials when the morning begins, whatever person, whatever person passes away, and they, they have lost any reasonable hope of burying them, as it was common in the time of the Gemara, they would crucify people, and you were not allowed to bury the body, So When do you begin to mourn and count the seven days of mourning and the 30 days of mourning as we'll see there's a concept of seven days of mourning but then there's also a concept of 30 days of mourning from the passing which is a bit of a lower level of mourning. When does that begin? So if there's still hope that the person will be able to... If there's still hope the person will be able to... Get buried. We hope to bribe the guard and get the body. Then we don't begin to mourn t- because we hope the bo- the person get buried. And when we f- successfully bury the person, that's when the mourning begins. However, once if 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 we're not really sure we can we can uh, get the body, when sh- when we lose up hope, when we lose hope, and we despair. From getting their body from the king to be buried. Write it down. So at that point, <laughs> so when we give up hope and we lose hope of, the, of, of burying the body, at that point, we no, no longer uh, can, can think it's viable to bury the person, and therefore, we start mourning immediately, God forbid, even though we essentially are hoping that somehow we'll be able to steal the body. That's a very unlikely scenario. And therefore, and once we give up hope from getting the body back for burial legally, because there's not going to be a burial, presumably, unfortunately, the mourning process begins then. All right, halach Now, what about a person who dies in a plane crash? Or there's no planes in the What about a person who drowns in the ocean? A person drowns in the ocean, right? A person's on a ship, transatlantic trip from Israel to America, and the boat sinks. So there's no burial, correct? or a person who is eaten alive by a pack of wild hyenas. He's in a safari in South Africa and he falls out of the jeep and the lions eat him. So at what point do they begin to mourn? Again, if there's hope to find the body, or the majority of the body and bury it, that's when you would wait to begin mourning until the actual burial. There's no biblical obligation, of course, because it didn't happen, the burial wasn't the day of the passing. But, but if you don't hope to bury the person, Mishnishinashul, Livakish, once they begin the despair of finding the body, or at least finding a majority of it, you know, they, 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 they send out search parties, scuba divers, but they give up hope, that's when, the, that's when the mourning begins. What if you find a part of the body? So if you find a part of the body the next day, whenever you bury it, or the majority of the body, then you begin to mourn. But if they find the body, they find the body that day, parts of it, then you only begin to mourn when you find the majority of the person and you hope to bury him, and, and that's when you begin to, to mourn, uh, once the burial happens. Or, on the, alternatively, once they give up hope to never find the body, right? So if they find the majority of the body, divers find it that day, they bury him that day, then there's a biblical obligation to mourn. If they find it the next day, or they find it the, a, a few days later, but they're still hoping to, 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 to find the body... Then they begin to mourn when they find when they find the body a few days later. And they begin to mourn and when they bury him. They begin to rabbinically. However, if um, if the once they despair ever finding the body at that point, they begin to mourn. Now, what happens if they despair finding the body? They begin to mourn. Three months later, the body turns up. What happens then? Okay, good question, but that's, uh, that's another that's a question for a more halachic uh, contemporary situation. All right, hey. What happens if the standard procedure is to send the body off to a faraway right place to bury it? Like, you know, they would send the body from Europe to Eretz for burial, for example. They enemy must recover cover, because back then there was, no, there, was no, there was no telephones. They don't know exactly when it's going to be buried. So when do the... When do the so, so if the relatives are going to accompany the body and bury the body in Eretz for example, then they... Uh, begin to mourn then But what about those Who are staying behind in Europe When do they begin to mourn Once they turn their their, their backs To the the, the you know, hearse That's carrying the body you know, The plane or whatever Is carrying the body away to, uh, to burial At that point They begin there Seven days of mourning And thirty days of mourning uh, Then rabbinically Even though the, the body Wasn't buried yet obviously Because they're traveling Somewhere else but They begin to uh, Mourn Mourn right then Before it. Correct Now because the, they can't They can't fulfill The biblical obligation To mourn The day of bur- the, Well there's no, oblig- there's no Biblical obligation To mourn here Because the burial Is after the day of death So There's only Rabbinic obligation So those who are With the body They start when The body is buried The rabbinic obligation To mourn for seven days 30 days etc Those who are not with it They just uh, They do it then When they, when they, when they see off the, the, uh, the travel party Today with communication Of course You can start mourning The proper time all right, vav. Let's talk about, so we talked, so, so, so we talked about mourning people who have passed away. How about mourning people who are never born? Hanif still born, right? Woman born, gives birth, baby comes out dead. Unfortunately, happens, right? there's no mourning for them. The now that's okay, a very simple case, the baby is born dead, so there is no, um, there is no mourning. V'cholsh Shah sheesh be Adam. Now, not only the baby's born dead, even the baby's born alive, but passes on before it turns 30 days, 30 days old. We're talking about a case where we cannot be absolutely certain, certainly in times of pre-technology times, that it was a full-term pregnancy. may have been less than full-term pregnancy, in which case the baby was not viable in the first place. In that case, if it does not last 30 days by a human, I mean, obviously a human, we're not talking about animals, though. You. you don't mourn for your pets, right? But Adam points out that The terminology Adam is dafke This halacha applies dafke To a human being's Gestation period In any event If A human baby Did not uh, survive For 30 days From, from birth Is a navel That's equivalent To a stillborn Who was born dead And therefore There's no mourning uh, Even if it died On the, on the 30th day Adam of no mourning Because again The baby was considered Born dead Since we don't know Um if it was ever going to survive. Now, if we know for sure the baby was a full nine-month full-term pregnancy, and in pre-technology times, that would be because the husband was with his wife, they had relations, went out of town for a full year, for example, or he went out of town till the baby, till the baby was born, nine months. and it was nine months later, and therefore we see that, that this is a full-term pregnancy. Right? in that case as long as the baby is born alive even he, even if he dies that same day as love we do more God forbid right okay that's I'm going. a child even if it 's a full term pregnancy, mind you, but the baby's born dead already died in the womb before birth or a non full term pregnancy eight month pregnancy that the baby um, uh, Survived Even past 30 days um, If a baby was born You know in pieces Obviously it died in the womb Or it you know, came apart in the womb And, and there was some kind of accident Therefore it, it died Like it came out Born You know with you know, Separated limbs Therefore it wasn't going to survive I mean, were crushed It was some kind of accident And, and the baby You know Was, was, was damaged Avapisha so again, the first case is a nine-month pregnancy; the baby was born dead, or an eight-month pregnancy; the baby was, um, uh, passed away after thirty days, or in general, a, a fetus. Even if it's a full-term pregnancy, the fetus was born alive, but it was clear that it was you know not a viable fetus because of its condition the way it came out, right, misshapen, and the, you know it's all these things. Uh, that's considered a stillborn Therefore there's no mourning There's nothing, nothing else done in terms of the mourning process Now the number says a baby born in 8 month pregnancy That passes away after 30 days What if he passes away When he's 25 years old He <laughs> was 8 month pregnancy, obviously he got lucky I'm not sure, but I, I think that means a case where it's clear He passed away after bo- birth um, After birth because of his condition. Now, mind you, the question becomes today with technology and medical technology, all, a lot of these babies can survive. Does that change the halacha, right? So there's a there's halacha, for example, that a premature baby is mukta on Shabbos because it's, not, it's considered a, just a, a dead piece of meat. Does that apply today? Mukta is something which has to, has to do with circumstantial things. So in the Shulchan Aruch it says raw fish is muktza. Who eats raw fish? It's useless. Today raw fish is eaten. Maybe it's not mukta anymore, fine. So muktah is a question, but how does that apply to these halachas in terms of mourning, in terms of other, other things? It's actually a, a fa- fascinating topic and beyond the scope of, of, of the year Halchates. Okay, those who are executed by the Jewish government, we're talking about a case of a Jewish king, right? a Jewish king walks by and instead of bowing down or saluting, you do an impolite gesture. So that's considered rebelling against the king, other examples, and therefore the Melech has the right to kill the person. Despite the fact they were killed by the laws of the Melech, and the king has Rishus to kill them, which means you would think they have the same category as somebody who's executed by by the Bezdin, that's not the case, they are mourned, we do mourn for them called Nothing is refrained from them regarding the whole process of mourning and the funeral, eulogies, etc. However, unlike those who are killed by the Bezdin, where the money goes to their heirs, over here, the money goes to the king. And they are buried in the ancestral plot of their ancestors. So, when a person is killed by Bethlehem for an Avera, since he's a sinner, therefore, part of his atonement is the execution, and the full atonement only is achieved when his body decomposes, therefore, we don't mourn them, because part of the whole process, we don't mourn them because it's still the wicked, and part of their atonement is not getting mourned, right? And they have to, and their atonement is the execution, the atonement is, the, uh, the body decomposing, and then we can bury them with their ancestors because you should not bury a wicked, wicked person next to a righteous person. However, a person who rebels against the king, that sin is not as severe. And therefore, once the king kills them, that's their atonement, and therefore they can be, be, be do mourn them, etc. There are in contrast, however, those killed by the Bezdin, by the court, Amos Amelie, we don't mourn them, however, there is a concept of Aninos, which means a type of um, sad behavior that's not mourning It's a different thing That, that more is relevant in, before the burial But that does happen Because that has to do with the person's sadness Of losing their loved one It's not a halakhic thing about the requirement to mourn And therefore that is done even by a person until by the besan um, And you don't bury them with their ancestors Until the mead, they decomposes. When ashamed, the money goes to their heirs For the same reason Again, so So what I said before Is actually that Not so much that, the, that, the, that, that Not so much that the atonement Is achieved by not mourning them Point is that Until the flesh decomposes You don't mourn them Because they're considered wicked You don't mourn a Russia A person killed by the, by the melech Killed by the king That's his atonement achieved For his sin and Therefore we do mourn them Alright, Yud Halacha Halacha Yud More types of people Who we don't mourn Besides for those killed by the besom Those who Those who Stray away from the ways of the Jewish community. The Hemanoshim, Shaparko, Mitzvah, people who remove from themselves the obligation to do mitzvah, they don't do mitzv. and they don't include themselves in the Jewish community, Bisha's mitzvah doing mitzvist, in honoring the Yom Tevim, Bishiva's pottakinis what the are coming to sit in the shoulder and sit in Bes In other words, they don't participate in Jewish activity neither religiously nor socially. That's what it means. <laughs> actually, choose basically basic it's not just social, it's actually a mitzvah of feel. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they act like free people who are unrelated to the Jewish people. <laughs> similarly, the heretics, And the people who uh, convert away from Judaism, and those people who give the Jewish people over to the Gentile government, even if they give over their property, this guy can be very firm keeps all the halachas. The one thing he does is he rats on his fellow Jews to the non Jewish government to have their money confiscated. Still, I would call these people you don't mourn because they're considered wicked. Rather, their brothers and relatives. They dress in white, which is a sign of joy. And They wrap themselves in white robes. They eat and drink and be happy. Because this is, causing, this is a, a Hashem's enemies being destroyed when these people pass away then the Pasuk says those who hate you Hashem I will hate these are an obvious unique exception where someone would not have to mourn a relative even a father in that example um, there is just an interesting note he says in the Oros over here that the other people disagree apparently it says over here I didn't know this Rebener Gerashim Rebener Gershom, had a son Rachman who Hushmad to a different religion the Bereishis mourned him for fourteen days. Actually, I don't know why fourteen days. Perhaps seven days for his physical death, and seven more days for his spiritual death. He never did tshuva. I don't. I, I don't know. But the Rambam's opinion is such people are not mourned. Okay. Again, if the contemporary halacha how it applies to a person is today is another story. Okay. Halacha Aleph disclaimer. This is a very sensitive halacha. Um, we're going to learn what the Rambam says. Again, in contemporary halacha, how this applies to the generations and the pasuk how they deal with this to apply it to people in our times is beyond the scope of the shir. Let's just learn and the ramam literally. Yir Hamid abid the person who takes his life intentionally. Chas Suicide. Amos asking him in Chodover We don't evolve in any way with the process over here because um, a suicide is essentially, essentially the layer of murder. The Amos we don't mourn them. The Amos bid'naysam we don't eulogize them. I will end them in love, b'shuda. But, sure, but, however, the pro, uh, um, when it comes to, however, things that are that are not not not, not because of mourning the person. But in terms of respecting the living relatives and their pain, that those things are done, for example, standing in line to comfort the mourners after the, uh, after the burial, and wishing them, you know, the, 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 the consolation blessing, anything else that's respectful to those living to alleviate their pain, that is done. this no, that's something else completely. That's another question. The problem does not discuss that over here. The, the concept of saying Kaddish and associating that with those who've passed away, I don't know when in history that started specifically. It's, people call Kaddish, if you, you know, non-religious circles, the prayer for the dead. That's not what Kaddish is. It's a tfilo, we praise Hashem. How that became associated with using it as a schutz for the neshama that those who are, have someone who passed on, they say the Kaddish. Is a good conversation okay? The What is? How can you clarify? Somebody killed themselves, right? Anybody who theoretically could kill themselves. Because a the person went to the roof and then fell doesn't mean you could be certainly killed themselves. Could be slipped. A person says or in anger. A person says angrily. Uh, sorry, he, sorry, a person says, he announces, I'm going up to the roof. We see he went up in an angry fashion. Or in a distressed fashion. Enough of he fell and died. That can be presumed that he killed himself intentionally. Obviously, if you see him kill himself intentionally, that's something else. If you have no idea how he died, you find a person passed away. Did he drink poison? I have no idea. You can't assume that. However, if it's ambiguous, but he said, I'm going up to the roof angrily, and then, and then, and then you find his body down on the ground, that can be presumed to be a suicide. You find a person strangled, hanging from a tree, right? he's hanging from a tree on a, on a, by a noose. Or he is fallen on a sword. There's a sword through him. We have no idea how it happened. Someone put it through him, but he's fallen himself. Unless we have proof otherwise, we assume that he is like any regular corpse, a, a, a deceased. He's asking him, we do all the things that's done for a mess. We don't uh, withhold anything from, from him.